Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time to get inside the Giants home. Let's go, let's go, let's go. On Giants.com. I like it, I like it, I like it. And the Giants mobile app. Give me some juice. Part of the Giants podcast network. Let's roll. Welcome to the latest edition of the Giants huddle presented by Citizens. After coming in off the bench each of the last two weeks, Tommy DeVito will make his first career NFL start this Sunday in Dallas against the Cowboys, an undrafted rookie out of Syracuse and Illinois. Who better to discuss the ins and outs of how you adapt an offense to a new quarterback and the dynamics that come into play on and off the field than a man who coached in the NFL for over 25 years, served as an offensive coordinator with the Cardinals, Steelers, and Browns, and the head coach of the Chiefs, a colleague of mine on Sirius XM NFL Radio, none other than Todd Haley. Todd, you got Lance Meadow here on Giants.com. Hope all is well. Appreciate the time. How's everything on your end? Everything's great. Thanks for having me, Lance. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure having you on the program, and I'm very anxious to get your insight on a variety of topics. So I want to start with just the pure dynamics of things this week. Tommy DeVito came off the bench each of the last two games in place of Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones. This week, they know going in, he's the starter. So how beneficial is it that he's going to get all the first team reps and he's going to be able to at least build some sense of chemistry with a lot of the guys he's going to be out there on the field? I think it's huge. Uh, you know, the fact that he's played a little bit, um, you know, prior to this is big. But, you know, when you know who the guy is, it it makes it a lot easier uh, to function because the job of the, the coaches is to, you know, look at his, you know, his resume, what are his strengths, what are his weaknesses. And then as a coach, how can you best utilize and put him in the best position to succeed? Your offense is your offense at this point. From an offensive coordinator standpoint, a head coach, you're not going to revamp everything. But what's the conversations you have with the quarterback in terms of tweaking things, playing to the strength of the QB as opposed to who previously was under center? Well, I mean, that's a big picture thing. I mean, uh, you know, as as an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, uh, before you go into games, whether it was Daniel Jones with Tyrod as a backup and potentially uh, DeVito uh, being there, you you go through the same process. You know, what, do you, what are your favorite pass plays? What are you comfortable with? What do you hate? Uh, you know, and anything that you hate, I mean, you, you throw it out for that particular guy. So, um, you know, you go through that process. You, you spend a lot of time with him uh, and just and this started back at the beginning of the week because you don't want to practice things that uh, a player is uncomfortable with. So, you know, you start that process very early. Uh, exactly what I said. I mean, it's, 
you know, what are the things that you love? What are the things that you're uncomfortable with? What are the things you're kind of CSC on, you know, and, and you, you form your, your plan that way. Uh, and, and when, when the, when the real game starts and, and the pressure's on, you know, you rely on some of those things and it doesn't mean it always works, but you want your, 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 all your players, but especially your quarterback being very comfortable with what's coming out of your mouth when you call a play. And what you're talking about essentially is the cadence of what the quarterback is going to be doing in the huddle. So how much does that not just necessarily impact, Todd, what you are relaying to the quarterback, but the offensive lineman, the personnel getting used to over the course of the week, how Tommy DeVito ushers in the play as opposed to Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was speaking a little more on just the 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 scheme, the plans, you know, the plays. Uh, you know, like I said, you you sit there with them and you're like, all right, you know, from a because there's run plays that are run check to another run. Yeah, the center is going to be involved in that, you know, or the offensive line and understanding everybody being on the same page. But, you know, what are your favorite play actions? What are your favorite uh, dropbacks? What are your favorite third down plays? What are your favorite red zone or backed up? I mean, the, the whole gamut of of just, you know, doing everything you can to make him, he has to be comfortable. If there's uncertainty, I mean, there's going to be enough uncertainty once the ball snaps, but, you know, you don't want any uncertainty when you call that play in from the sideline. He hears it. He has the trust that you're giving him, you know, you don't want to call a play that he said, I hate that. I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. I mean, you, that's the last thing you want to happen. You want, you want a comfort zone for him that every time he hears your voice, He's hearing what you've already discussed throughout the week in practice and, and feel good about. And he clearly has had the luxury since he's been with the team throughout the course of the offseason to watch how Daniel Jones and both Tyrod Taylor have operated the offense. I want to bring up Tyrod Taylor because, Todd, coincidentally, you were with him in Cleveland in 2018. He began the season as the starter, unfortunately gets hurt. Baker Mayfield takes over the rest of his history. It's amazing to me. His last few stops, the Browns, the Chargers, the Texans, here in the Giants, he's gotten an opportunity to come in as the starter. Unfortunately, the injury bug has struck. Isn't it amazing, I mean, that this continues to be deja vu all over again with respect to Tyrod? Yeah, it's amazingly sad for him because I love Tyrod. Um, I root for him every time he's out there. You know, when you see these rosters come out at the start of the season, you know, I'm very – keenly aware of, of the backup situation at every place because we're seeing it. Oh, I mean, how many rookie quarterbacks have already started? 10, I think, um, you know, it's just the way of the NFL right now, quarterbacks have a hard time uh, surviving an entire season one way or the other. So, you know, I looked at the giants. I liked, I liked, you know, how I felt about Daniel Jones coming into this year. And then I look at the backup situation. I'm like, all right, they got Tyrod. If something happens to Daniel, they're in good position. Unfortunately, you know, for Tyrod, it just, you know, it, it, he, he's been unable to stay healthy, you know, not always his fault, obviously, in a couple of the cases, but, um, you know, it, it, that that's what you look for. Now, when you're talking about number three, undrafted, I mean, now you start to get into a really sticky situation. What does Tyrod's presence, though, still being in the quarterback room, even though he's hurt, do for a guy like Tommy DeVito? Oh, he Tyrod's awesome. I mean, he was he was awesome for Baker. Uh, you know, even though he was the starter at first, once that changed, 
Um, you know, every I, I still say to this day, those quarterback meetings that I had in Cleveland with Baker and, and Tyrod uh, were just awesome. And a lot of it was Tyrod because he's a, he's a calming influence. He's not a guy that gets flustered, uh, you know, whether it's on the field or in meeting rooms. And in the meeting rooms, that's even more important. He just was – he was the same guy every day. And I think Tommy will gain a lot from having a presence like that with him because, you know, he's been there, done it. He's been in this position himself. So, um, you know, he's able to he's able to probably offer a lot uh, to a young quarterback going into a, in a into a pretty big situation. Todd, what about the conversations? Clearly, as a coordinator and a play caller, you're going to communicate with your quarterback in between each series. But what Tyrod sees in a game and what he can then communicate with Tommy over the flow of the contest and him providing a different vantage point than perhaps what you have on your plate as the offensive coordinator or play caller? Oh, again, I think it's huge. Uh, you know, again, knowing Tyrod and his personality, he's not hes not ever going to show any kind of anxiousness or being flustered, uh, you know, in, in that situation. He's going to be a very, you know, coaches can get emotional and they'll be mad, you know, pissed off about something that happened. But um, a quarterback that's been there, done that, like Tyrod, uh, you know, he's going to be a very, uh, I think, a great calming influence, again, in a very big situation. I mean, you're playing the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, and you, you know, all week you're watching tape and you're seeing what they're capable of. But, you know, it comes down to to staying poised. You know, the quarterbacks that are able to keep that composure in, in big situations after a bad play, there's going to be bad plays. It's going to be how you respond to those bad plays that if you let it, uh, you know, I always say you go into the spin cycle. You know, I've seen players that one play turns into two plays, into three, and then it really starts rolling downhill, you know, bad. So, you know, a guy like Tyrod, I think, you know, is going to give great uh, insight to the young quarterback, especially in those situations. You know, and maybe he makes a great play, and Tyrod will be the guy saying, hey, next play, next play. Uh, you know, it's, it works both ways. You know, you don't want to get too up. You don't want to get too down. You want to just stay composed and poised. And if you're able to do that, I mean, you're in the NFL for a reason. I know you were third on the depth chart, but I've seen thirds uh, turn out pretty well at different times. You're ready for a change. Payday comes early with citizens. So go to that retreat. New you moves to the country. Now you're raising goats and launching a lifestyle brand. Are you ready for all that life brings? This is the Giants Huddle Podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. The Huddle is brought to you by Citizens. And from game day to every day, Citizens is made ready for Giants fans with insights, guidance, and solutions. Learn more at citizensbank.com as we're talking with longtime NFL coach, offensive coordinator, headman Todd Haley here on the Giants Huddle Podcast. You talked about how all of a sudden the depth chart changes dramatically. You go from the third stringer to the starter in the blink of an eye and how you've been around a number of different scenarios. So I want to go into the archives here. Let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Unfortunately, Ben Roethlisberger went down a few times. So, I mean, you saw your mix of Charlie Batch, Byron Leftwich, Michael Vick, Landry Jones. What was it like during those seasons where you sometimes you went through three different quarterbacks during the course of one cycle? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's difficult as part of the game, though. So you, you have to 
you know, as Bill Parcells always said to me, you know, uh, the players aren't going to change, figure it out. So, you know, the situations that, you know, you're not going to bring in, you know, reserves, you know, off the street at this point. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of conversation going back to what I said earlier that, uh, you know, what is, what are this, what is this guy's strength? What are his weaknesses? You know, how can we cover up some of those weaknesses? And and I know Brian Dayball is a excellent, excellent coach. He's proved that. So, uh, you know, he's involved in it a lot. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's part of it. Uh, you know, you got to manage receivers that maybe were thinking one thing, you know, oh, we got Daniel Jones. I'm going to, you know, they have their own goals. You know, tight ends have their own goals. Saquon Barkley has his own goals. I mean, it's a team team group, but still, you know, you're never going to take that out of players. So, you know, I, I go back to, you know, Antonio Brown and, and Pittsburgh was tearing it up. And all of a sudden, Ben goes down. You know, we signed Michael Vick. You know, he's trying to learn a new offense. This is a different situation that because Mike came in off the street and was in a really hard predicament. But, um you know, you, you got to deal with a player like Antonio that, you know, he wants to get 20 targets and, and go for 180 yards a game. And all of a sudden he sees the writing on the wall. It's not going to be the way it was. So you got to manage all of that. And that, that becomes the coach's responsibility. And, and Brian will do a great job at that of, of just tempering everybody and, and, you know, pulling together. You don't, you don't replace a Ben Roethlisberger with one guy. You don't replace a Daniel Jones with one guy. You don't even replace Tyrod with one guy because he's an experienced guy that's played a lot. You know, so now you have a young guy in there. It's about trying to convince everybody to pull together uh, and raise their level of play in whatever capacity, whatever role they have. And and I think that's the way you can you can make it work. I mean, I've gone on the road with Charlie Batch, and who I think is a heck of a quarterback, but you know, he went into Baltimore and and got us a huge win when Ben was down. So, uh, you know, I've been with the Cowboys when uh, Bledsoe was the starter and this guy, Tony Romo, who kind of was in this DeVito situation. Now, he was there longer. Uh, he had been there, but, um, you know, he's got to go into Giant Stadium to start a second half. And the first ball, uh, he fumbles or throws a pick or something for a, for a touchdown. And I mean, but he survived it. You know, I think, you know, every, there were calming forces involved that allowed him to settle down. And and then we went on a pretty good run. So that's the situation to me as much as is closest to this, even though Tony had been there for a couple of years. You know, you're talking about an undrafted guy, uh, you know, coming in, you know, earning it, trying to earn his spot on the roster, you know, running the show team and all those things. And then. You know, when you get that opportunity, you never know what's going to happen. Kurt Warner, I mean, I wasn't there, but I was there the second time around when everybody thought he was done in Arizona, and all of a sudden he got that another opportunity as he did in uh, with the Rams, and, and then it became the greatest show on turf. You don't know how it's going to go, but, uh, you know, a, a lot of the things that I'm talking about factor into that. The coaches, their ability to – to figure out, you know, to put him in a position to succeed and understand that he's a young guy. You know, how does the defense play? You know, it, it, that's why it's the greatest team sport in the in the world. I mean, you, you need it all, but at the same time, the quarterback's got the spotlight on him all the time. 
Well, I think you bring up a great point about the style and strategy of play because the Giants were playing the Jets, Todd, a few weeks ago. It was bad, rainy weather, and you're shaking your head so you know exactly what I'm talking about. And Tommy DeVito, he was forced to come in because Tyrod suffered the rib injury. And, I mean, they just pretty much emphasized the run. They were not throwing the ball much. And Brian Dable spoke after the game and said they knew going in with the weather being bad and Tommy DeVito not getting a lot of first-team reps that that's what they were going to subscribe to. But then we saw the Raiders game where the weather wasn't an issue because it was indoors and they let him throw a little bit. So how much is that part of the conversation both prior to and during the course of the game? You may go in with a game plan, Todd, but you know what? Based on how the game flows, all of a sudden you got to flip the script. Yeah, I mean, and that happens all the time. I mean, whether, you know, this time of year, now you're going to start getting into some of those things. And again, I always go back to Coach Parcells. You know, we'd have a staff meeting. We might plan one way the whole week, and all of a sudden, you know, two days before the game or the night before the game, you hear it's, it's going to be rainy, it's going to be cold, uh, and we you better have an answer. It, it can't just be drawn in the dirt. I mean, you you got to plan that way throughout the week. you got to have your – little four-minute package that you normally would use to run out the game and win it by running. But uh, if weather's a factor, that four-minute package becomes a big thing. I thought I thought the Giants really did a, a great job in that game. I mean, they they got handed a bad, uh, a bad deal. You know, they lose their quarterback. They're playing with a young guy that's never played. Uh, but their defense was playing good. They were holding the Jets down. It, it looked that whole game like they were going to win. If they make a kick, they win. And I thought it was a tremendous coaching job. It just didn't work out in that situation. Now they got a, they, you know, they got more time to, uh, to figure out what Tommy could do, even though, you know, they didn't think he was going to start. You know, Daniel was starting. And, but they, you get a, a, a little clearer picture uh, of a guy, you know, once you've seen him in action. And, and I think the Raider game's a, a big thing. I mean, it didn't go – uh, the way they wanted it to, but at least they 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 know a lot more about the player at this point. So I think with another week, you know, they'll take advantage of that. What about from his perspective, Todd? You talked about the coaching staff gets a better idea of what Tommy DeVito could do because he was in the last two games. But for him to now digest the speed of the game, because, you know, he hasn't started a game yet, but at least he's been in a few contests. So he understands the task at hand and how better prepared he is, as opposed to another baptism by fire scenario where he doesn't know going in, he has to start or has to be thrown in the game. And then just out of the blue, get shoved into a contest in the second to the third quarter. How much does that change you think for him in terms of his comfort uh -huh. level? I think it does nothing but help. I mean, uh, before all the, you know, the injuries and those things started, I mean, this was a young guy he, who made the roster in, in any capacity, was practice squad or on the uh, 52. But, uh, you know, he was given jobs. I guarantee I know how Brian works. You know, he might be uh, stuck in the in the office breaking down third downs or red area or whatever. Uh, you know, you try to get those guys up to speed mentally uh, so they're seeing the picture the right way. But until you're out there, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, he's got a, uh, he's got some snaps under his belt. He's done some good things. He's done some bad things. But uh, another week, uh, you know, for him is going to be huge. I mean, now now it's not totally new. And uh, And again, you don't, you know, until the lights come on, you don't know how these guys are always going to respond. That's why evaluating quarterbacks is not an exact science by any means. 
Giants fans love a winner. It's why they love Citizens, named a 2022 Best Bank of the U.S. by the Banker as the official bank of the Giants and sponsor of the Huddle. Citizens is made ready for the fans of Big Blue. Learn more at CitizensBank.com. As we're talking with longtime NFL coach, offensive coordinator, head man, Todd Haley here on the Giants Huddle podcast. You brought up an interesting point earlier where you said it's not so much the transition the quarterback has to make, but it's also the personnel around the quarterback. And you brought up Antonio Brown. You look at this Giants roster, Todd, it's a young group around the QB, the receiving core. There's not a wealth of experience maybe similar to what you worked with in Pittsburgh. The reason I bring that up is does it make it easier for the coaching staff and the quarterback that Tommy's not thrown into a situation where he's got Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden? Not to say that those guys wouldn't be able to adjust, but you had them in Arizona. So there's a bit of naivety, I guess, for the lack of a better word, with the receiving core as much as there is with the quarterback at this point. Yeah, I think it, it probably helps. It's different than uh, the Raiders with Devontae Adams. You know, again, right. he's a guy that he probably had aspirations this year to, you know, he, he probably wanted to do what Tyree Kill's doing. But, you know, the, the scenario, the situation changed, uh, you know, and how those guys handle that is is a big thing. So when you get some younger guys, yeah, it, it's – it's probably an advantage. Would I take Devontae Adams on the Giants roster? Yes. I mean, would I take Larry Fitzgerald? Yes. Uh, but, you know, Keyshawn Johnson went through it uh, with the Jets in, in, in 99. I mean, we had a phenomenal season. Uh, Vinny Testaverde made the Pro Bowl with the stud. Keyshawn made the Pro Bowl. You know, we had a lot of really good players, and he goes down in the first game. And, you know, we did a little Tom Tupa, Rick Meyer experiment. And, uh, you know, eventually we found our way to Ray Lucas, who was playing wide receiver and running down on kickoffs uh, prior to that. Uh, but, you know, once he was in there, he obviously was a totally different player than Vinny Testaverde. Uh, you know, just what his strengths were. I mean, he had athletic ability. You know, we incorpor incorporated him into the game. We simplified a lot of things, you know, knowing that he hadn't been working at quarterback a whole bunch and you know we went on a little run and almost made the playoffs so um you know that's another great comparison you know to this situation you know it, it isn't how you envisioned it you know as it isn't for the Jets you know how they envisioned this year going to this point but you know it is what it is and and I think the the really good coaches figure out some way and I learned a lot in that 99 year uh, when Vinny went down because, you know, you had a, a leader like Parcells that, uh, you know, we might have been feeling so sorry for ourselves as quarterback, as coaches. Keyshawn Johnson might have been feeling sorry for himself as a receiver, but he was able to instill in everybody, hey, this is this is the lay of the land now. So we got to do everything we can because uh, it's all about winning. I mean, that, that that's what it is. I mean, you you work too hard to accept it not being anything like, you know, anything but success. So, you know, it's a tough situation. But, uh, again, I have great confidence in, in Coach Dable and, and his staff that, you know, they'll take uh, uh, lemons and hopefully make lemonade. You love turf. You're good at it. So you start a turf biz. Business grows. Your savings grow. Become the most celebrated name in turf. Are you ready for all that life brings? I'm glad you brought up that 1999 season because that was one of the first examples I thought of. And for the audience to understand, you were the wide receivers coach that year on the Jets. So, Todd, what were the conversations you had with Keyshawn and company 
about how they would have to adapt their play and level of expectation, to your point, now that Ray Lucas was taking over at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, again, I'm not there in New York. I don't know Tommy DeVito. You know, you know, um, he's been working. He's been running show show team cards for the defense, uh, you know, and, and probably developing his own relationships. Uh, you know, Ray Lucas at that time, uh, you know, he had been in the receiver room with Keyshawn. Uh, so, you know, it was a, a different dynamic in that way. But, uh, you know, Ray Lucas had that it factor, uh, you know, even though he hadn't made it as a starting quarterback or, or, or done some of those things, he had he had that uh, that charisma and, and gumption that players seem to be attracted to. So, again, without knowing Tommy, I don't know, you know, how those things are going. But, yeah, there were a lot of conversation with Keyshawn, Wayne Corbett, uh, Dedrick Ward, the whole group, uh, you know, just you know hey you know this isn't what we expected that you know we we you just try to coach coaching goes on full-time you just try to coach as best you can to understand be aware of the situation understand some of the other players emotions and and, and things that they're going through and and just try to you know be a a, a, a steadying a steadying factor in the in the equation to your point, though, the team did rally, it seemed, around Ray Lucas because you ultimately you finished 8-8. Eight and eight. He started the final eight games. What was it like to observe that? Because it's easy, as you mentioned, for a team to get down. They're on their third-string quarterback. You know, mathematically speaking, probably the chances of making the playoffs are slim. But then all of a sudden, second half of the year, Ray takes over. The results are showing up. And what you observed in terms of how the team responded to that change in dynamics? Uh, you know, you again, the players know generally, and they, you know, they know if you have somebody out there uh, leading the team that isn't the guy, uh, they also know when they feel like they get the guy. Now, it may not be Dan Marino, but it, it'll be a guy that the players say, hey, you know, we'll go to battle with this guy. I mean, I used to sit in the each meeting room and we're one and seven or something like that, and I would. I would mark off, you know, each time we won, you know, we got eight more to go. You know, I knew what we had to do to, you know, we had to win one more. Unfortunately, I think we lost to the uh, Colts in, in a tough one. But, uh, you know, if we win that one, you know, you're in the playoffs and you're on your third quarterback, third or fourth quarterback maybe because Tom Tubin played a little bit. Uh, you know, it's just a mindset. It's it's trying to just continue to show confidence that hey we can we can turn this around and uh you know if the players ever sense from the coaches or another player that they've given up then that's when bad things happen Todd, i'm picturing you in the jets wide receiver room with a cutout cardboard image of somebody you know in the film major league where they, <laughs> they pull off the pieces yeah. as the team starts to rally with i'm thinking maybe you tapped into that in terms of rallying the troops so. I went to I went to every meeting room. Nobody knew I was the one doing it, but there was grease boards in every room, and I would I forget exactly what I did, but I'm like eight more to go or seven more to go, six more to go, and nobody knew who was doing it. But I was I was slinking around the building, uh, trying to do it in my own uh, way. You know, if my facts are correct, I went back and I looked at that Jet season. I think people forget Ray actually took over in Week Six against the Colts which you were talking about, then he got hurt. He suffered an ankle or a leg injury. You had to go back to Rick Meyer, and then Lucas then took over again. So, I mean, it wasn't necessarily all smooth sailing that season once Ray took over. 
Oh no. I mean, it was the, it, it, when, when you're in that situation, I'm telling you coach Barcells. And again, I keep referencing him, but you know, he's, he's the guy where, why I got to anywhere I did, but um, he's not a big talker to the team. It's very few words, but I mean, he's showing videos of bodacious, the, the bull, you know, knocking the, the rider out and the rider came back and rode him and, and got the seven seconds or whatever. I mean, you, you pull out all the stops uh, as a coach, you, you know, you really do. You gotta, you gotta go into, into a sixth gear, so to speak to just because it's hard. I mean, it's hard to win period, let alone now you're on quarterback number three, you know, who's, who's a rookie and, and undrafted. So uh, you gotta, you gotta pull it all out. I mean, you can't leave anything in the bag. Todd, before I let you go, I want to bring the fan perspective into this because I think it's very easy for the fans to look at the Giants' situation right now, record-wise, third-string quarterback, and start to turn the focus towards the draft and aspirations there in terms of how they can maybe help the team moving forward. But you've seen it within the locker room, within the dynamics of a team. A lot of people want to bring up the term tanking, that you know players, they see the math, and they're like, there's no point to playing. I argue all the time, players and coaches are not worried about the draft because there's no guarantee that they're all going to be around the following season. And I'm just, I'm very curious your perspective, how you navigate those waters, given what the pressures are coming from the outside world, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, the fans are entitled to to feel and think however they want. And they're what makes the, this great game go uh, because they're there watching on TV, they're in the stands. So they, they are entitled on the other end of the uh, other side of the coin with players and coaches, it's never a factor. And and so what you have to do uh, as good a job at as anything is insulate your team. When things aren't going well, insulate, 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 uh, you know, and you do that by, there's no way to completely insulate, but uh, you definitely have those talks and you're like, Hey, you know, their, their mom or grandma or dad or brother, sister, whatever, they're going home to her wife, kids, you know, you don't know, uh, you know, you just over and over again, you try to impress upon them that they care about you. You care about the team. And, and it, and it's very hard, especially in this day and age to insulate completely, but uh, you really just try to circle the wagons and, and, and try to keep everybody on the same page as best you can. And it's a hard, hard job, but I've seen it happen um it, it's not easy it's not fun but uh you know that's really you, you don't don't be on social media don't yeah and these are grown men they can do whatever they want but uh you just try to explain to them that your mom or dad or whoever that you're going home to they only care about you you know you got to care about the team and and the team is if the team can pull together in those situations there's beautiful things that have happened through the the history of the nfl in very difficult situations. I mean, I bring up Kurt Warner and the Rams. I mean, they got Trent Green. They think he's their guy. They're and all of a sudden, the, the, all those hopes were dashed. But Dick Vermeil was able to pull that group together, insulate them, and and all of a sudden, this guy Kurt Warner showed up. Yeah, who they didn't took- even know, who they didn't even know was good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all about the opportunity, as you mentioned. As a quick follow-up, Todd, in terms of all that we're bunching into this conversation, Daniel Jones, obviously, a very tough blow for his season to come to an end. Torn ACL, he just came back from a neck injury. How is a coach 
do you attempt to keep somebody like that still engaged with the team? And I don't know if you've been around a QB that specifically tore his ACL, but you've been around quarterbacks that have dealt with injuries and have had to try to pull a 180 and regroup. How do you talk him and walk him through that as he has to start to focus on 2024? Yeah, I mean, you'll as a coach, you'll take anything you can get. Obviously, when it's an injury like that, there's going to be a surgery involved. There's uh, there's no way that you can do anything about that. I mean, he's got to, you know, the doctors and he have to take care of his health. But, you know, when you have them, you know, I think you just try to, you know, uh, you know, he's in a he's in a low, low place. When guys have a season en- ending season uh, injury like that, uh, we always say, I mean, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but eventually you're going to see a little flicker of light and things are going to get better. But, uh, you know, it's just it's hard. Um, you know, depending upon the time of the surgery, all those different things. If you can have them around, you try, you know, that always helps the player. You know, you don't want to uh, just act like he's not there anymore. You know, you know, he can be a benefit. Uh, so, you know, you're worried about the player as a person. You're worried about your team. Uh, you know, if you can have, you know, like Aaron Rodgers being there for the Jets is, you know, once he got through the surgery aspect of his Achilles, you know, it's probably been a big thing for the Jets. Um, you know, if, if you can have, you can, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta try to convince guys it's, it's eventually going to be okay, even though it looks pretty dark right now. And that's exactly the Giants approach as they gear up for the Dallas Cowboys this Sunday with Tommy DeVito under center in his first career NFL start as he is Todd Haley, longtime NFL coach, offensive coordinator, head man for over 25 years. Todd, this was about two or three segments on Sirius XM NFL radio that we just went through. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'll <laughs> see you in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, it's always a pleasure, Todd. I can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Uh, always enjoy it. Good luck, Giants. Absolutely. This is the Giants Auto Podcast brought to you by Citizens, the official bank of the New York Giants. You can catch it on Giants.com, the mobile app, and your favorite podcast platform. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.